Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. This morning, we're going to be starting a new series um, called Light of the World. Light of the World. And we're going to be talking about different elements of what it means that Jesus is, is light of the world. And the goal of today, the goal of this morning, is to walk away more confused than when you walked in. How does that sound? The, the, the goal of today is, as Billy led us this morning, into a deeper sense of awe and wonder of who God is. Because the truth this morning is that we know very, very little about what God can do in his power. We know his character. We, we know that his character is revealed to us in the person of Jesus. But even Jesus, as he walked the earth and he told these funny stories, we were just talking in small group this past week about how Oftentimes when Jesus would tell parables, people would walk away uh, feeling more confused and with more questions than when before he started to tell the story. And so the goal of this morning is just to paint with broad strokes about where we're going in this series and what we feel like God has for us in this season together of life together here at Vineyard Cleveland And to blow up our view of God. Because the reality is that God is a really, really, really big God. God is a really, really big God. And that should cause joy in our hearts. Amen. Susan, I'm with you. I'm with you. And even if it's just me and you that we're just (laughs) tracking here with this, God, blow up our hearts and expand our minds. We need to have a bigger picture of what God can do when a life is submitted to him. It was really awesome this week. I felt like... um, we were tracking together, but Rich Nathan, the senior, at Vineyard, senior pastor at Vineyard Columbus, tweeted this out this past week. I love this. Listen to this, you guys. The 21st century can be seen as the century of the massive expansion of the self. Moderately gifted pastors believe themselves to be apostles. 17-year-olds are called influencers. Successful business people think of themselves as philosophers and give TED Talks about their philosophies. And politicians demand to be treated like Louis XIV, the Sun King. What is most needed in our world is the shrinkage of the self and the expansion of our view of God. We need to have God light up our worldview, to light up our view of who He is and what he can do with our lives. A month ago or so, I went to Florida on Sabbath, on retreat for a week. I didn't talk to anybody. You guys know this. The only words I said all week were, I'll have the fried shrimp and a beer, please. Probably said about 30 words all week. I had two days of no communication whatsoever, no text, just to be silent and get still with God, hear what's going on inside of here, to pray for you. Every day in the morning, my routine was simple. I had very few decisions to make. Isn't it great when you have very few decisions to make in your day? Every, every day, my, my decisions were limited to, okay, uh, where am I going to fish? 
and where can I find the best Cuban sandwich in the Florida Keys? And I found it. It's at Moreno's on Big Pine Key, in case you're interested. It's delicious, and it's only like $5.50. Oh, it's so good. Those were my decisions all day, and I got quiet, and I prayed for you, and I prayed for me, and I prayed for our church, and I prayed for the city of Cleveland, and, and I thought to myself, man, God's going to give me this huge, huge vision for like the next year for the church, and by Wednesday of that week, I'm like, come on, God, what gives? I'm, I'm standing up to my side of the bargain. What about you? What about this big vision? He's like, oh, Eben, just rest, just rest, just be still. And I took a breath, and every night I'd come back to uh, the Keys Vineyard Church. They were so kind as to put me up in the upper room, which is what they call it. It's really the youth room. And I slept in the youth room for a week. It was free boarding. It was great. It was quiet. I was tucked away. And every night I came back from fishing, worn out and spent, and it was a good kind of spit. And I'd get in the Word, and I'd, um, and I'd chart out my life and plot out with where I've been in my life, and I'd worship Jesus, and I'd pray, and I'd go to sleep, and I'd do it all again the next morning. Well, around about Thursday or Friday, I started to just be captivated by this theme of light. And I thought, what is that, Lord? Is that like, is that like a theme for like all of 2023 for our church? And, and he's just like, no. He's like, just, just like meditate on light. Just like be here with me in this moment. And as I was with the Lord and feeling his presence, I, start, I started to remember all of these scriptures where God just reveals himself in light. From the very beginning, with, with, which we'll talk about this morning, God is, is revealing himself, as First John tells us, that God is light. That all, all light is, is sourced in the person of God. And he began to show me through through the gospel where Jesus says about himself that he is the light of the world. And then Jesus um, flips the mirror around and he says that you, the church, you are the light of the world. And then we're told uh, uh, wonders about the Father, how the Father is the Father of lights. He's generous. He gives to us. He fathers us in light. And then he began to show me the Jesus light of the world and then the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is light unto our paths and lamp unto our feet. There's wisdom in the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God is light. He began to show me in scripture and open up the scripture where he said the church is, is light. It's like a city on a hill that can't be hidden. And so over the course of the next weeks, we'll be um, looking at this thing, Jesus light of the world, this, this reality that God is light. And I felt like the phrase that God gave to me was over that course of that week was that Eben, you say, and, and you guys are doing a great job as Vineyard Cleveland in bringing life to the city. He says, do you know that that life is sourced in my light? I want you to be a community where you bring light to the city as well, that your, the eyes of the people of Vineyard, this picture of all of your eyes shining with the light of Jesus flowing from them. Science over the years have uh, scientists over the years, it's, it, the discovery of light and the properties of light um, are a new thing to humankind. We know very little. It's like Billy was picking my brain this whole week and where I've been studying because we know very little about the properties of light. We used to think that light traveled um, in 
little particles. And then um, about 100 years ago, we found out that that's not the case, that light doesn't travel in particles. It, it travels in waves, that light, f- the speed of light is actually shifting over the years, that the speed of light used to be faster than it is today, and it fluctuates. Well, then we found out that that was wrong, that, w- that light didn't just travel in waves, but it traveled in little packets that, that, tra- that move along a wave. So it's kind of a little bit of both in the subatomic. I'm not a scientist, but I did my research. And I'm here to tell you that we know very little about the universe and how light has gone forward in the universe. We know very little. We like to say phrases like, well, we're exploring the universe. Someday we'll get to Mars. God's like, that's like the front porch, dude. You, like, you're just, we say, we're exploring the universe. And we've barely opened the door and stepped foot onto the front porch. That's how big God is. Expansive, his reality is. So he wants us to be filled with his light. And here's what I wanted to do this morning. I'm going to put two key scriptures on uh, the screen for us. And I've been thinking this week, and I feel like... um, you know, there's, a, there's an element in the church of the, the preacher uh, speaking scripture at you. And the ancient Israelites had like a better kind of understanding of this. And I wanted you to try it out with me this morning, if that's okay. But there is something powerful uh, uh, with a community of people when they read the scripture together. And it's... And, and, and in the Psalms, we see like perfect examples of the people. This is the, God's word to the people. You know, it's not just the leader of the organization or the leader of the community like speaking scripture at. It's all of us together engaging with God's word. So I wonder, Jane, if you could put the scripture up. And would you guys join me in standing? In more liturgical churches, this is commonplace. But I'd like, to, I'd like you to join me in standing, and this is uh, Genesis 1, 1 through 5, and John, oh, I kind of cut it off there, but this is John 8, 12. And so I'd like us to read it together. Um, the words are on the screen, this is the NIV version, and we'll just try and set a pace, and we'll read it together, the community of God in God's Word together. Okay, you ready? All right, here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So good. You guys can take a seat. So good to experience God's word together like that. And the first thing that I'd like us to notice about where our story of origin begins is that our story of origin in Genesis here in the first opening pages of Scripture begins with a mystery. 
Our script, our, our origin story is one of mystery, and it begins by God's thought over us. God's thought over us. Now, God speaks, we're told, in uh, the scripture, this, this huge phrase, you know, the same phrase that, uh, who was it, Neil Armstrong, as they're hovering over in outer space, and they're looking back on earth, and the earth is rotating on its axis, on its axis, and um, the sun is rising on earth, and, and Neil Armstrong reads this scripture over the earth, let there be light. And in our English translation, the narrative, this is the best that we can do with Moses' account to us here in Genesis, let there be light is what is translated of my desire is for light, or I wish for light. But in plain English, the best we can do is say, let there be light. It's God's desire for there to be light for us. God's desire is in revelation. His desire is for us to get him, to understand him. My wish, my desire for these human creatures is light, not darkness. Let there be light. My desire is for light. Let there be light. That is, if we are talking about Jesus as the light or the luminary. It can't be a luminary because the sun, the stars, the moon were not created until the fourth day. Ever noticed that before? Our origin story begins in mystery. I never noticed it until this week. We read it right in the pages of Scripture that God says, let there be light. And then we read that there was evening, there was morning, the first day, and it's not till verse 16 where God says, let there be stars, suns, let there be two lesser lights, one to govern the day and one to govern the night, and there was evening and morning, the fourth day. What's going on there? What's going on there is that God himself is the source of light. And we know this because scriptures revealed us, revealed to us this, but we really know very little. I'm saying God is the source of light because 1 John tells me that God is light, but really I don't know what I'm talking about. And nor do you, and nor do the most brilliant minds on the planet. How can there be light without a source? You see, in our human logic, in our human understanding, we connect light with sun. We connect light with source. But here in the pages of scripture, we're told that on the first day, God created light. He said, let there be light. Well, we're like, oh, the sun and the moon. No, not until the fourth day. How does that work? Some have said there's all different kinds of theological theories about what this means and the mystery. And you may find yourself on one end of the spectrum or the other as far as certainty is concerned. Let's go here for a minute. Some of us like to have things really neat and tidy and packaged in the way that we think, in the way that the world operates, in the way that we think about God, in the way that we think about others. Others of us are more comfortable with a sense of mystery. It's okay that there's a little bit of flexibility. I don't have to have everything figured out. I just kind of go with the flow. Are you starting to place yourself on the spectrum about where you are? There's a mystery in following Jesus. There's a mystery in who God is, even, in some, even though we say that his character is revealed in the person of Jesus, and we can be certain of that. 
there's still this unpredictability about what God can do and who he is that we will never know. That we cannot know. That these are the deep things. Scripture, t- scripture tells us the deep things that belong to God in Scripture, in the pages of Scripture, that belong to him that we can never know. We can never know. We might think the deepest thoughts, the deepest thoughts, objectively deep thoughts, and yet it's just a drop in the bucket of the depth of the thought and mystery of God. We're even told in in Psalms that darkness and light are the same to God. He sees no difference between one or the other. They're the same to him. He created them. There's even some theories, now this is outside the pages of Scripture, that there's the cosmic war that we read in Revelation 12 with the dragon and the woman giving birth, you know, and these mysteries that the Apostle John is spilling over that between Genesis 1 and uh, 1 verses 1 and 2 and Genesis 3, uh, 1 and, and verse 3, that there's this cosmic battle going on and that when when Moses says that the earth is formless and without uh, form, or it's, it, it's, it's just this vast wasteland, that that's where, the, that's where Satan was cast to. He's cast to the earth. And then, and then God, in, this, in the sense of recreation, says, let there be light there too. We're not really sure is the point. We're not really sure. We're not really sure the thoughts and the depths of the mystery of God is what I want us to um, just marvel at and be in awe over today. He divided this light into day and tonight and gave it a sense of time, one day. It's one of those mysteries. Some say the light was Jesus. You know, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, if that light was Jesus, how can Jesus be one with the Father if he's uncreated? If Jesus is the uncreated one, if he's equal, co-equal with the person of the Father in in the Trinity, how can that be? If Jesus can't be the light that's described there in the first pages of Scripture because he's uncreated from before time Jesus existed, let there be light. What is he talking about there? It's enough to make your head go crazy. And it's good, is what I'm saying. It's good to live in the tension. It's good to be frustrated by the pages of Scripture, to let the pages of Scripture read you, in essence, and challenge you on what you believe. And bring into question all of our preconceived ideas of what we think we have figured out and what we have no business speaking about. A little bit more on that in a second. So the Hebrew word here is that it's my desire, God says. I wish for there to be light. And I wanted to dig into that for a minute. Just that in, in creating light, that God's thought over you is light and life. God's thought over me, God's thought over humanity is light and life. Okay, everybody think about an elephant. Elephants are big. That's the thought. Elephants are big. Okay, everybody say, elephants are big. On the count of three. One, two, three. Elephants are big. See, that spoken thing, that spoken thing that you just spoke out, elephants are big, started with this thought. Yeah? 
So just a little thought exercise there for you to wrap your heads around, like even before whether God actually spoke it or not, the thought of God over us is light and life. Let there be light. My desire is therefore to be light for humans, for sons and daughters to come into this deeper understanding that there is light, there's life to be, ha- to be had. God's thought over us is life. Creator God had been thinking thoughts and speaking eternally into what we call the past, but in this moment, he allows for Moses to write it down, and the thought over us is life and light. That's what I want us to get at. And there's a great book out there. It's my, one of my top three. Um, my mom gave it to me when I first came into relationship with Jesus. She gave me Practicing His Presence by Brother Lawrence. She gave me The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, and she gave me The Divine Romance by Gene Edwards. And these are just like the top, tip top for me. I love them. <coughs> Gene Edwards, in his book, The Divine Romance, this book is like a, um, it's like you're watching creation unfold. And it's the whole meta-narrative in this really expressive language that um, tugged at my heart um, when I was first coming into relationship with Jesus. And I wanted to read to you his account of creation It's just great, and I hope it'll be encouraging for you this morning. Here's Gene Edwards in his book, Divine Romance. He writes this. But just before he, God, before God launched his grand design, a very mysterious thing took place in God. Deep within the center of his being, there occurred an event that no other eye was to see, no other mind to conceive. A thousand million portions of God burst upward in light. Each of these portions of God ignited into flaming brilliance, as if to proclaim that each had been chosen, even marked off for some special distant destiny. Having marked off these future destinies, the living God gave himself to making real his highest dream. Unending self-containment would end. And so he spoke, let there be. And so speaking, he relinquished being the all, making room for something other than the all of God. For one brief moment, there was God in a great abyss of nothingness. Never before and only once since has there been such a radical change in the history of God. Now, as let there be sounded across the sphere of nothingness, there came a blinding flash that filled, with, uh, that, filled that hollow void. Suddenly, there was not only the uncreated God, there was now something created, created light, a picture of God now shared space with God. I love that. He then created a realm of spirituals, unmeasured, immeasurable. This realm, like its God, fell outside all finite understandings. Yet this invisible spiritual sphere was inside of him simultaneously. He called it the heavenly places. Though it was a place in him, yet it pleased him to enfold himself and dwell there. There's a deep mystery in God that we cannot know, and yet we know his character. 
Even though our circumstances are confusing and a mystery, his character, we can know. We know that his thought over us is life and light and love. If ever we're feeling like we have a good handle on what we think is going on, what in the world is going on in my life? I think it'd be a healthy exercise to go over Job 38. In fact, let's just do that. Uh, Let me get there. If you ever arrive in your life at a place where you say, you know, I think I got a pretty good handle on how things work around here. I'm not just talking Berea or Parma Heights. Around here, meaning the globe. It'd be a healthy exercise for us to dig into Job 38. Buckle up. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. Okay, first of all, he's coming from a storm, God. And then he says this. Who is it, who is this that darkens my counsel with words of knowledge? He's talking about Job. Brace yourself like a man, Job. I will question you, and you shall answer me. He's like, hold on a second, Job. Who's the one asking the questions here? Like, let me just tell you how things work, Job. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? (laughs) Tell me, if you understand, who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Surely you can tell me, Job. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt, Have you ever given orders to the morning (laughs) or shown the dawn its place where it belongs? That it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their um, upraised arm is broken. Have you, Job, journeyed the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Uh, Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death even? Have you comprehended the vast expanse of the earth. Tell me if you know all this. Crickets. (laughs) Tell me. Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? How do do you get there? How do you get to light, Job? Because I'm having trouble finding it. Please tell the Almighty how you get to light. Like, show show me. Where's that path? Uh, Do you start on 480 or 71? Like, how do you get, how do you get there? And where does darkness reside? These unanswerable questions. 
Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths of their dwelling? Surely you know, for you were already born. You've lived here so many years, Job. <laughs> Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? <laughs> or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed? Hey, how do you get into that room, Job? Do you know about that? (laughs) Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water a land where no man lives, a desert with no one in it, to satisfy a desolate wasteland, to make it sprout with grass? Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen? Can you find the beautiful palliates? Can, can you loose the cords of Orion? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead, uh, lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the law of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Does it sound like God is like four years old right now? Why is the sky blue, Ma? Mommy, why is the grass green? Why does this work like that? Oh, the infinite childhood of God questioning Job on things he can't answer. God is infinitely a childlike being. Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. Who endowed the heart with wisdom or gave understanding to the mind? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of heaven when the dust becomes hard and the clods of earth stick together? Do you hunt the prey for the lioness or satisfy the hunger of the lions when they crouch in their dens? or lie in wait in a thicket? Who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? And it goes on and on and on and on. We know very, very little about the power of God and the depth and mystery of God when he says, let there be light. We're just scratching the surface. Lastly, as we journey in this series, I believe the Lord wants us to see that where we are living in darkness or we're having trouble seeing the light, seeing Jesus' light of the world, he wants us to be comforted by the Holy Spirit in this time. He wants to deepen and broaden our understanding of who he is and what it means that we are um, carriers of his light and his purpose. You know, in the first couple verses of Scripture, we're given this origin story, right? And we're told that this place, everything we see, it was nothingness. The Latin, uh, the Latin phrases for creation is ex nihilo, out of nothing, something. Out of nothing, absolute nothing. We like to pretend that we can create things, but really all we're doing is picking up stuff that he's already creating and refashioning it. Ex nihilo, out of nothing, something. And 
And there's this pattern that God sets in motion that he's calling on those who would have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to perceive this pattern of what the human condition is with each one of us. Just like in creation, our origin story, ex nihilo, so in the human heart, so in each one of our minds in our lives. Do you see the pattern here that, that we chose to become gods of our own lives and in that we became formless, without form, without void, darkness entering our lives. Just like in the original narrative. And then the Spirit of God, we're told in the Genesis narrative, began to hover. There's, there's the, the, the word for spirit in Hebrew is ruach. You gotta kinda get like, you gotta go like, ruach. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters, over this formless, empty, deep void of nothingness. There's like bird language there in Genesis that he's hovering over the Spirit. of uh, uh, The Spirit is hovering over the deep void, the waters, the formless nothingness. So too, the Holy Spirit of God is hovering over our lives. And in the person of Jesus, new creation comes with just a word. Let there be light, God says, to the formless void. And in our lives, he says to each repentant sinner, all of us, men, women, old, young, black, white, he says, let there be light. Let there be light. And that light, we're told in scripture, is the light of the world. Jesus, he comes to illuminate things and to just burst forth in effervescent life, all in one, all in one instant from the thought of God. It's like, it's like, Boom! It happens, right? And, and for some of us, it's more gradual, like a sunrise. But even in the original creation story, it's like, how do you make new things look old? It's like you just do it in a split second, and things are made. Green grass, tall trees, redwoods, beaches, you know, water, everything. And in the same sense, he's speaking that over our lives that we're called out. And then he says in the narrative that he separated light from darkness. And we're told in 1 Peter 2.9, we just went over it in the previous series, that he's called us out. He's called us a royal priesthood. He's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That he's separating light and darkness. He's separating darkness from our lives because of who he is, because of his new light in our hearts. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let darkness be cast out from our lives. We're made new, new creation we're called. We were once dead and now we've been made alive. And through this whole series, I just believe that God, there's something of breath that he wants to breathe in our lungs, something of like light that he wants to shine through the eyes of the people of Vineyard Columbus. Hey, we're alive. We're, we're filled up with the light of God. There's something different about us. We're no longer living in the story of our, our forefathers. We're no longer living in that, in that tired story of, of um, life begets death and on and on, that we're living a different story, one of light. And I just wanted to take time this morning to sit with that together as we respond in worship, that there might be places of darkness in our lives.
I wanted to read this over you too. Um, this is brilliant. This is by uh, <laughs> the Reverend Morgan Harper Nichols. Come on. And as we, ch- as we journey this thing of light and dark, I want us to hear Morgan Harper Nichols' words um, as she says this. Language on light and dark may have its place. And this is also true. This very language has been used to say, you are a threat and I am not. I am worth more than you. It takes kindness to understand this. For even though kindness is a beautiful word, it does not mean that nothing gets disrupted. Sometimes a way of thinking must be interrupted in order for kindness to truly live. What she's talking about is the assignment of themes like light and dark to, dark to skin tones. And she's saying for so long we've associated dark with evil and those with darker hues in their skin tones are that as well. And what Morgan Harper Nichols is saying is that it may have its place, language on light and dark may have its place, but it's also true that the very language has been used to hurt and belittle others. And so when we're talking about light and dark, we're not talking about skin tone being good or bad. And that's important for us to understand because it's so prevalent in preaching and Western evangelicalism throughout the centuries to keep some lower and some higher. When we're talking about light and dark, what we're talking about is the condition of the human soul and where God's light needs to expose places of darkness in us. You know, Adam and Eve... They hid, they put on fig leaves because they were ashamed. And part of being new creation is that we would, um, we would see that we are clothed by God and there's nothing to be ashamed of. Everything is in the light. Everything is in the light. 